Good morning, Grace Place family online and on campus. We're really grateful that you're here today. Uh, every day that we come together like this, every Sunday we come together, God has great things in store. And we're excited that you're here and hope that you're open to receiving everything God has for you. I've asked our ushers to uh, kind of be ready. And uh, if you brought your Bible today and you do not have a highlighter, I want you to stand because we want to give you one of those for free today give you a chance to kind of highlight. We've been emphasizing throughout uh, God Talks going deeper. So just stand where you're at and our ushers can find you and give you one of our yellow highlighters. It'll be a help to you. There you go. Uh, and uh, you can mark the scriptures that we're going through today and highlight things that are uh, of uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of speaking to your heart and life. I use these uh, highlighters like crazy, man. I go through several of them over the course of the year. And uh, so it's, uh, some people use patterns where they'll take different colors to highlight their scriptures, the Bible. But uh, I've always used yellow and I just, I work it to death. And now that I'm on my phone, you know, uh, a lot of the Bible that I'm reading all the time, if you go back and look at my notes, it's all in yellow, uh, scriptures and things there too. So yellow is my favorite color when it comes to marking the scriptures. Anyone else need a, a highlighter? We want to get you one. Just raise your hand where you're at, and we'll get to get to get you one. He's got a few left there. Okay. We want to encourage you to bring your Bible every time you come to church. Some of you are using you know, the scriptures that you have online. That's fine too. Uh, but bring it with you so that you can follow along with us. You know, it's, don't just trust me. Trust the scriptures. Okay. <laughs> As we read them together, we're going to follow along. Uh, also, and not a, not a commercial, but we do have, uh, I was able to get a hold of some more Bibles, some of the study Bibles, and they're a little less expensive than the ones we had before. But if you are in my decade, you do not want this new Bible that we're offering because it's small print, okay? <laughs> so if you are younger than my decade, uh, we have some available in the back. We're just going to charge what's, what it uh, costs us to get them for $25. They are study Bibles in the NIV, and uh, you will really enjoy that. So uh, we had a few more of those come in. Grateful that we're able to, to help you grow in God's Word. The theme for God Talks has been going deeper, and we have been going through this now for uh, the last the past two months, and we're coming to a close. We have this message and the next one. This has been a mini-series at the end on evangelism. Last week we talked about the first step of evangelism, and the first step of evangelism is to, to know uh, that you have been born again. That personal relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is the starting point for evangelism. We cannot offer others what we do not have for ourselves, right? So the beginning point for us is to be born again to allow ourselves to be renewed, our spirits to be born again uh, by the work of God and, and to, to uh, introduce, be introduced to the Savior. Amen? And as that happens for us, then, you know, uh, it, it is the beginning for us of evangelism. I'm just going to encourage you today, this is going to be a participatory kind of sermon, so I want to encourage you to jump in and, and uh, you know, shout out and enjoy what God has to say to us through His Word. We're going to be reading a couple of passages today out of Scripture. The first one is found in Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, uh, we'll look at verse 9 and 10. 
So in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 46, and then in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Today's message has to do with the legacy of evangelism. This is the second in the series, the mini-series on evangelism. Isaiah chapter 46, would you stand for the reading of God's word, beginning at verse 9. Isaiah 46, verse 9. So I had to make use of these great little bookmarks we gave out a few weeks ago, uh, since we have two places to read. Isaiah chapter 46, beginning at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Go with me then to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It is Paul in his exhortation to Timothy, uh, his student in the Word, and he, he makes this remark, which really stuck out with me in terms of our evan, uh, legacy of evangelism. He says, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am sure that it is you, in you as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We're asking God that you would speak to our hearts today as we go through it together, learning what you would have to say to us regarding the legacy of evangelism. Father, we thank you for the, the promise that has come into our own hearts, that we have been born again, and that we are on the pathway, and now we want to get in mission and get engaged in what you have called us to do. And so we ask you to open our eyes of our understanding Open our hearts to receive your word into good ground. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you as you're seated. <clears throat> Last week we looked at step one of evangelism, uh, being born again and being transformed by the gospel. And that is step one for all of us. Uh, the first question of evangelism we talked about last week, which was, have you been born again? Nicodemus coming to Jesus, and that's the beginning point. That's the starting point. The gospel, we understand, is only good news for those who receive it. It only becomes good news for those who receive it and, and it allow it to transform their lives. It is not enough to intellectually understand or to, to have an assent to religion, but we must be transformed by the work of Christ. We must come to the cross in full surrender, asking Him to forgive us of our sins, believing that Jesus is the only answer, and asking Him to be the Lord and the leader of our life. This morning, though, I want to talk to you about step two of evangelism, uh, which is legacy. Legacy. Everyone in this room and online watching today has someone that you love that does not yet love God. There's someone in your life that you love dearly that does not yet love God. Now, as parents, Michelle and I, uh, you know, we, we have spent many hours over the years of our life praying for our children and now for our grandchildren uh, and all extended family members. And above all, when we pray for those that we love and we care about, the one thing that sticks out is that we pray that they will know 
and love Jesus with all of their hearts. Now we pray about a lot of things for them as, as different things arise. We, we will pray you know, in, in, over their lives, uh, over our children. In, in times past, we have prayed that they would find a godly spouse. Thank God for answered prayer, right? <laughs> but we not only prayed that, we prayed that they would learn to be good godly spouses so so it's not just one dimensional like they have a godly spouse but they're not going to be godly but oh we pray that they would be godly a godly spouse and they would be uh, put god first and then we prayed uh, over them that they would they would have a good employer that god would bless them with a good employer and that their work life would be good we prayed over the years that that they would develop uh, into good and godly parents we're getting a chance to kind of watch that unfold for our kids. It's exciting to see them and, and that love their children and, and become good, godly parents. We prayed over them that God would give them good help. We prayed when they were sick, and, and we prayed that even when they're healthy, that God would give them good health. And uh, we, we have prayed for a number of our family members over the years for God's healing. We prayed over them that God would help them make wise decisions, that day by day the decisions that they would make would build one upon the other and that they would be led by the Lord and they would be good, godly decisions that they would make that would lead them where God wants to take them. And so depending on the circumstances that were going on in their lives in various seasons, we prayed a lot of things over their lives, but one of the constants that Michelle and I have always prayed over our children and now over our grandchildren is that they would love God with all of their hearts, that there would be a legacy of love of God, a legacy of evangelism, if you will, that would, that would be in their hearts, that would be going down generationally, that all of them would begin to see the move of God, the love of God uh, in, in, in their lives, that people around them, work, their employers, that people that they work with, friends, people they go to school with, would see this legacy of love of God in their lives. You see, there is absolutely no pain like knowing your children or your loved ones are not following Jesus. For those who truly love God and are born again, there is absolutely no pain that is greater than knowing that you, you have a loved one that doesn't love God. We've walked through uh, situations where we've had family members that had cancer and We've lost loved ones to cancer, people that we care about and love, and we've, we've walked through some dark places with, with people uh, that are in our, in our family, the difficult situations and, and things that have taken place. But it, there's always an, a, a, a peace about it because we know they know God. And we, we have that confidence that if, that if this disease or something takes them and this is the end of their life, that they're, they're, they have eternity with, with God and that we're going to meet them again. But there also then are those that we love and we care about and some that are family members that do, have not yet made Jesus Lord and leader of their life. And there is no pain like that pain. When they're sick, when they're hurting, when, th when they're going through difficult things, the primary thing is, is we're trying to encourage them to turn to God, to make Him the Lord and the leader of their life. You know, we pray for their healing, but more important than, than, than they are healed, we want them to have right relationship with the Lord because we recognize they can be healed in His presence, if not on earth. But we want them to be with Him. 
anchoring us into where we're going with this legacy of evangelism is the opening passage that we read a moment ago. There is absolutely no argument with truth. We're living in a world right now where people believe that truth is just relevant to your circumstances and situations. And this is not uncommon. It's just old uh, philosophies of the world being repeated and, and getting different names, right? So, so it's, it's, it's happened down through the history of man that, that they want to eliminate truth because truth always calls us to accountability. Truth always calls us to accountability. And so those who are living uh, in, 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 uh, outside of God do not want to be accountable for their behaviors, their decisions, and their responses in life. And so as a result of that, they try to redefine truth. But we know, not only from Scripture, we know from knowing truth, having a personal relationship with the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that this passage of Scripture that we opened with is the anchor passage for us in our walk in relationship with the Lord. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I want to take the next few moments that we have together and talk about and develop for you the legacy of evangelism. It's beautifully stated, I think, when we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, in the life of Timothy here, Paul calls out, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Now, I'm talking to two sets of people here. I'm talking to some people online, on campus, who you are the first generation of believers. You're the first generation in your family to take steps to be a believer, to follow Jesus Christ, to be born again, to have a brand new uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm also talking to some who you are second and third generation, fourth generation perhaps, of faithful people who loved God and, and, and lived for God. I come out of a, a great legacy of, of those who loved God and cared about God, and, and I've shared it before here, the tremendous legacy of, of evangelism that's in our family and how God uh, totally changed and turned our circumstances around. But for what happened in my dad's life, our family might be something completely different. I might not be here. I, I might be doing something else with my life. I might be running in rebellion. But because of the legacy of evangelism, I'm able to be here today. Paul's talking about this great legacy that, that he sees in uh, Timothy's life already, that his grandmother and that his mother were godly women who steered the family in the direction of putting God first. For those that are first generation, this is the beginning of a great legacy that can go on for generations behind you. Well, what does it, we need to first define when we start talking about legacy evangelism, we talked a bit about it last week, about the gospel message. We need to have that kind of renewed in us to understand the impetus for evangelism, for living out legacy evangelism. 
The first thing I think we need to understand or define is what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be lost? Now, on the world, uh, in, in the world sense, they, they would get a picture of somebody uh, who is lost. They don't have, uh, you know, a, a Google map or a GPS <laughs> directions, and they're just driving around in the forest somewhere. They have no idea, you know, where they're at, and they're, they're just kind of hopelessly lost in that sense. But for you and I who are believers, there is a different meaning and understanding to what lost means. Luke 19 and 10, which is an anchor passage for us as a church, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When you use the word lost, you're using a biblical word. If you say, I know somebody who's lost, or I, or I care about someone who's lost, the world may not understand what you're talking about, but you should know what you're talking about. There's a real definition to lostness. What, what is it, then? Uh, lostness is to be without God and without hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is saying, before you knew Jesus Christ, before you made Him the Lord and the leader of your life, you were without God and without hope in this world. That's a condition of lostness. No hope and without God in this world. Lostness also has to do with being under the wrath of God. Notice how it's worded here in John chapter 3, verse 36. And if you got your highlighter, highlight this one. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now it doesn't say the wrath of God comes on him. It says, remains upon him, which is a doctrinal understanding that you and I have been born into sin. So the wrath of God is resting or has fallen upon those of us who are dead, who are rebellious, who are hard people. And, and it is only by, by faith and by the grace of God that it is taken away and that the wrath of God is, is lifted from us by virtue of what Christ did, taking it upon himself, so that it is not upon us. Understanding what lostness really means helps fashion and shape our passion for evangelism and for living out the legacy of evangelism uh, that it might go generationally on. The second thing that we need to understand, if we understand what lostness is, we need to understand that, you know, the world wants us to know that, you know, from their perspective, they're okay with us understanding that God is love. And they want to define love. You know, they, they, uh, they 86 uh, any kind of sacrifice out of love, right? Love is just an emotion and a feeling, and it's just getting what you want, is basically what love is in the world. You know, I like chocolate, or I love chocolate. And therefore, I should get chocolate, right? Or I love uh, dogs, and so I should have a dog in my life. You know, I, I love that person, and they should be in my life. And, and, and so the world has a, a way of, of kind of clouding the definition, painting God as 
Uh, one of the things that, you know, when people get to talking about the celebrations and, you know, uh, of Christmas with respect to Santa Claus, you know, for me, it's always been a great example of, of, the, of the world's picture of God, Santa, right? Think about the song. He sees you when you're naughty. He sees you when you're nice. He's always been, you know, and he's, he's able to see you like just what you're doing. You know, if he's looking into his crystal ball or whatever it is, he sees exactly where you're at and what's going on. He never sleeps, you know. And uh, he's, he, he flies around and gives out good gifts. And, and this is the world's picture of how they would like God to be. And there are elements of what we see in Santa that certainly are uh, what we know to be true in God. He's a good God. He does know when you've been naughty, and he knows when you've been nice. He never slumbers, and he's ageless. So there's elements of that that we could say yes and amen, Right? But what the world totally doesn't want you to, to, to look at is God is just. He's a just God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Whatever else is true of God, God is just. Nobody will be in hell who doesn't deserve to be in hell. That is a solid biblical uh, truth. He is a just God. Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? The wrath of God rested upon all of us because of sin. God is a just God. And so lost we have judgment coming. Really not great news, right? <laughs> but the whole gospel is good news. And here's the good news part of it. He purchased the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. God came clothed in flesh and took our sin upon himself, providing a place for us. And you might recall this word that is used with, with respect to judgment, how this is transformed when we become born again. It's the word justification. And if you grew up going to Sunday school, man, you know, you have these memories of your teacher telling you, defining justification. How many of you remember this? Just as if I never sinned. <laughs> Justification through Christ, just as if I never sinned. I'll tell you, there's no news better than that, right? There's no news greater than that. That, you know, we've all, in, in our moments of, of crisis and difficulty, and when, when things have just all gone to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, and, you know, the marriage is in trouble and financial situations, and, and we've made some bad decisions that have put us there, all we want to do is rewind the clock, right, and go back. Could we just start again? And I could not make that decision. I could not say those words. I could not do that thing. And only in Christ can that be true. Just as if I had never sinned. Justification. Hallelujah. There's no better news. Amen. I want to spend these closing moments talking about the application of what we talked about today from God's Word. Legacy evangelism. 
But before I get into that, three quick points I want to share with you before we go on uh, legacy evangelism. I want to just speak for a moment to young parents about leading your children spiritually. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 and 19 uh, is, is a, an anchor passage for us along this line. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you, are, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What, he's, what God is wanting us to do as, as parents, for those of you who have young children in your household, is to answer the issues of life that come into your home through the scriptures. Answer the issues of life that come into your home through the scriptures. A child is, um, you know, growing up in your home, they're going to learn the most there in your home and in your environment. And God is calling us to take the issues, the daily issues of, of life, and, and view them through the lens of the, of the scriptures. My parents did this for us when we were growing up. If we were sick, my parents showed us scriptures that, that God is the healer, and then they prayed for us, sometimes quoting those scriptures. My dad would quote that scripture, scripture that was so embedded in my mind that often I find myself using it when I'm praying for people. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And there are so many others that speak to Jesus as our healer. When I uh, was younger, I had a lot of nosebleeds. And it was until I became a young adult that uh, I went and figured out what the actual source of that was. And uh, I had a lot of allergies and things. And so uh, the, the doctor told me as an, a young adult that those vessels up in my nose had expanded, contracted, expanded, contracted, and many of them had broken. And so when, when I would get a, a nosebleed, um, you know, it would just not stop. And it would go on for a long time. And as a child, when this would take place, and, and I mean, it would go on for hours, you know, just, just nosebleeds. And uh, so, you know, my parents would come up and, and they, they had a passage of scripture they would read over me. It's in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 6. When I passed by thee, and we, we read in the, in, in the King James Version, so, uh, you know, this is, this is King James, right? So, um, he said, when I, when I passed by thee, my parents would read this, and they, they had it memorized, you know, too. And I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And I want to tell you that quite often, that nosebleed stopped within the next few minutes. Whenever my parents found out that, you know, I was having an extended nosebleed like that, they would come up, quote scripture, pray over me, and, and more often than not, it stopped right there. There was only one time I can remember being taken to the hospital as a result of, of this. And um, the doctor's packing my nose, you know. And uh, again, later as an adult, finding out, you know, what was the cause of this and getting it taken care of. If you, if, that, if you have a problem like that, um, what the doctor does is he takes a wooden stick and starts it on fire <laughs> and sticks it up your nose. So <laughs> you're not going to, actually they're probably further advanced than that, but that's what happened to me <laughs> back in the 1800s. Um, 
As a child growing up, if I was sad, my parents would read passages of scriptures over me that Jesus, that God is my comfort. My dad loved uh, the, the book of Isaiah. You know, he, he would quote from the book of Isaiah a lot on being comforted and how God comforts us. If I was confused, they would point out that God is the answer. And we would go back to the scriptures and look for answers. My friends had come up with issues that troubled me about, you know, religion or, or believing in God or whatever. And, and we would go to the scriptures. My parents would point this out. I brought... Uh, the, the arguments of the world to the dinner table, and my parents would bring the scriptures. <laughs> so I want to say to you young parents, now is the time and your opportunity to train your children. The church is a support structure, but it is not the centerpiece for Christian education. You are. You are the centerpiece for Christian education. That's why we encourage you to grow and to read God's word and to understand they're going to learn most about God from you and watching your life. So let's, let's ramp through these quickly. The three points of leaving a legacy evangelism. Step one is prayer. Parents uh, and grandparents praying like crazy over the family uh, who is lost, uh, that's a part of our legacy. I, I have to say that I am so grateful for people that have prayed for me. I'm standing here today because family members in the faith, you know, and family members in, by blood have prayed over me and, and have lifted me up to God and continue to do so. You know, they pray for us and they lift us up. And it is, a te- I'm a testimonial of that, the faithfulness of that prayer. Part of legacy evangelism is developing a prayer life. You're going to pray. We overestimate what we can say. Well, if, I just, if I just get them to watch this video, if I just, you know, tell them what I've learned, you know, it's going to turn them around. They're going to know, you know, if I can just get this point into their brain and into their mind. And, uh, you know, we, we, under, we underestimate what God can do, right? If I can just get them into the hands of Jesus. You know, if I can just just take them to the throne of God, everything's going to turn around. God's going to bring circumstances into their life. You know, and I've lived long enough that it's hard. Those are hard prayers. If our children were going a little bit astray, you know, it's hard to pray for for God to, to bring them back to Him, knowing that part of that might be correction, discipline, taking them through some very difficult times, you know, difficult seasons in their life. Where, where they're going to, to really suffer in order that they might know that God is real and reach out to Him. It's hard to pray those prayers sometimes. But if you're going to have a legacy of evangelism, it begins with prayer. Step number two is, and, and I want to say this to those who are listening online, those who are here, who have children astray, um, a sister, a brother, it might be a mom and dad, it, you know, somebody you really love and you care about, and you have just closed the book on trying to talk about faith and religion. Because every time you do, there is war, right? And, and they push it back in your face, they don't want to hear it. But step number two is share the good news in your life, your testimony. Your story, no matter what is happening, you cannot allow the enemy to shut your story up. 
That's exactly what he's trying to do. And the Bible says that we overcome uh, the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So if you've got people who don't love God that are in your life, you cannot shut up your testimony, your story. Now, now here, here's what I, I want to ask you to do. Take pieces of the glorious good news that thrill your soul that are just bubbling out of you, your story, your testimony, and put them in text messages when you talk, um, in conversations when you're talking, you know, let them bubble over in birthday cards and bubble over. Not preachy. I'm not saying preachy. They grew up in your home. They know you love God. There's no question they know who you are at this point. So all you're doing is sharing your story, your love of God, the goodness of God. And, and here's, the way, here's the way we should, we should think about it. You know, um, you, can, you can use start it off with this phrase. Here's what, I love this. I love this that God's doing in my life right now. I love the fact that all of you, you know, are, are in, in his care and he's taking care of you. I love that God has answered prayer this week. I want to share with you what he did when I reached out to him. We cannot shut up our testimony. We must, as, as evangelists, share who we are. I told you last week about uh, dating a girl in high school and and after a couple of weeks, she's like, you talk a lot about Jesus, you know. And it wasn't, and it wasn't anything I was doing to try to get her to, to become, you know, a Christian. Because I didn't really even know at that point, you know, where she was. I knew they went to church, but I didn't know where she was in terms of her walk with the Lord and those kinds of things. So, you know, this is something that should be natural coming out of us. It's our story. You know, I'm not, I'm not presenting you the four spiritual laws. I'm talking about what God is doing in my life on a day-by-day basis. It's exciting. It bubbles over. And it's, it's, it's you know, it, it, it is what they will hear and they will understand because they know you love God. And it's not something that, that, that it is a you should. You know, they've heard a thousand you shoulds and, and uh, you know, they don't want to hear any more you shoulds. You should do this. You should go to church. You know, you should get your family in church. You know, you should read the Bible every day. You should, all those things. You know, and I, I think that that's immature, you know. There's never a point in our life that we shouldn't all uh, understand that we should be doing something we're not, right? So I think it's immature, but that doesn't matter, does it? Because it's, it's just a point of argument right? When you say you should, and they're like, we're not, you know, I'm not like you. I don't believe like you. I don't think like you, you know? And uh, so it's like, it's all right. Just watch what God's doing in me. And let me share with you the good things. Here's what I love about what God is doing in my life. Begin that way. In every text message, in every exchange, go ahead and share. Don't ever hold back the good things that God is doing in your life. Amen? We're not engaged in, in a religion that has duties on the weekend, you know? We're in a relationship. And, you know, when I was dating Michelle, all my friends heard way too much about Michelle, you know? When we first started dating, you know, because that just was part of the conversation. I loved her. I was falling in love with her, and just, you know, Michelle did this, Michelle did that, and, and it's so cute when she does this, when she says that, and they're like, ah, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we just go back to talking about what we used to talk about, you know, 
And some of them, you know, like I grew up playing sports and stuff like that. And it was so out of character, you know, uh, for me to be weak need like that, you know, to them. They're like, yeah, what's wrong with him? Uh, <laughs> but this is us in our walk with, with God, right? It's real. It's real. Amen. You know, and I, was, I was reading uh, recently, a friend of mine, you know, I had made a comment. Um, if I mentioned the person, uh, you know, you guys might recognize him. He's a professor at North Carolina, and, and they, they were... This, this thing had been coming up on social media about him and a class he's teaching. And he frustrates me because he's done a, he's, he's, he's a great, great mind. He's a, he's a person that's written a lot on, uh, he's probably one of the, the foremost New Testament scholars, but he's in the liberal camp, the liberal theology camp. And so he has uh, unwittingly led a lot of young people towards deconstructionism, you know, because he's, he's called out things that, you know, he grew up, you know, Southern Baptist and, He's called out things now that, that he questions and he didn't get any answers for. And, uh, you know, so part of the missing element with him, so, so part of it is just the fact that he, he just hasn't fully examined what's going on. You know, he's been debated a number of times and defeated, um, but he's, he's, he, he is a great mind and, uh, you know, he has a huge, huge following. I made a statement about it not knowing that one of my really good friends was on his board and, uh, and, you know, I knew this friend of mine that I grew up with as a pastor's kid uh, had gone through deconstruction in his own life. I sent him a sermon you preach, Lawrence, <laughs> and he loved it. And he said, I'm going to come to Austin sometime and see if Lawrence will get with me and we can have a beer. And <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> but I had no idea he was on this, this guy's board and that this was near and dear to his heart. And, you know, you get the people piling on on council culture, the, what I had said, you know, about him um, leading people through deconstruction and stuff like that and just piling on to me. You know what you're talking about, you know, on and on like this. And so that's what got my friend to reach out to me uh, and say, hey, the, you know, the, you're getting piled on right now and stuff. And I was like, that's all right. You know, council culture, let them uh, pile in, you know, if they want to. It's no, no big deal. But, you know, in, in uh, thinking about where... This guy was going and, and how he's had a, 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 to touch various lives to, to lead them away. One of the missing components, you know, there's many, but one of the missing components is, is relationship. This is a guy who grew up in church. This is a guy who read the Bible. This is a guy who knows it inside and out. This is a guy who's, who's traveled the world. He's, he's read scholarly, uh, you know, uh, He's read through the, he can read through, he's original language, so he's, he's read original manuscripts, and, you know, he's, he's really very learned man. But it's clear when you read after him and you, and you watch him and stuff that he's never met Jesus. He's never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I tell you, that's, that's life-changing. When you, when you meet Jesus, and that component is completely missing from any of his arguments or things that he wants to talk about is today... I talked with Jesus and I met him. And the reason that I know he's real, besides all of the proofs that I have, uh, you know, about historically, scientifically, uh, in every other way, and the reason I know he's real, because him and I just had a conversation, right? <laughs> he's still on the throne. And, and I, I love him and he loves me. So we want to share from our heart about our walk with the Lord with those that we love that are lost and astray from God. Third one, third one is we want to invite 
the church family to come with us on the journey in the legacy of evangelism with those that we love and we care about. They may not know everybody in your family, but there's people they do know. There's people that we have relationship with, and we walk together. And so even though if we don't know all of the family members that you're praying for that may be lost and estranged from God, we do know you, and we love you, and we want to be a part of your prayer team. We want to join with you. We want to align with you for uh, seeing uh, all those who are away from Christ come back to him. People who love God, you know, love you, and they're ready to reach out to your lost family members. They will pray with you. They, they, will, they will reach out if you ask them to. They'll serve as family members. I can't tell you over the years as a pastor, as a minister, how many times, uh, you know, that I have gotten a call from someone in another state that would say, I have an aunt, I have a brother, I have a, you know, uh, uh, my mom, I, you know, I have a cousin, and they're in the hospital, and I'm just kind of calling churches, and I was wondering if, you know, uh, if you're the pastor, would you go and visit them? They're in the hospital, and, and they don't know Christ. They don't know Christ. And, you know, like, I want them to be healed, but most of all, I want them to know Jesus. I want them to have a personal relationship with him. And I've walked many times into rooms, you know, with people I absolutely did not know and ask if it was okay if I come in and, and, and talk with them and share out of Scripture and pray with them. And I, I'll tell you, some, one of the most amazing things, I had a pastor that was uh, actually Michelle's dad when my first uh, months in training with him, and he took me on hospital visits. And man, we, we had some, some really powerful encounters. It was just God kind of showing me how powerful this is to just visit the sick kind of thing, you know, what scripture says. And, uh, you know, I won't go into detail about this one particular incident. It was so powerful as we're leaving this, this hospital bed of this man who's leaving the world. And uh, we had prayed with him. We're walking out the doors, but I remember what our dad said. I've never forgotten it. He said, there may be, you know, there may, there may not be anything else that we do as pastors that's more important than what we just did. And I have seen that lived out in my life in ministry that I walked into the room and it's, and it's like, it's like the Jesus in me walks in there. Faith suddenly comes alive. I've seen people who didn't know anything about God. Welcome me as they have a prognosis of death and they have denied God their whole life. And in those last moments, please come. Please come in. Please talk to me about the author of the book. Please tell me. I was with a young man who had a, a cancer diagnosis, never, never heard a scripture, never heard the word of God. He was in his mid-20s. And uh, cancer was just inside him and eating him up and got to visit him over the course of the next few months to the point where you would actually see the nodules of cancer, you know, all throughout his body. He was just eaten up with it. But from the beginning, when I first came in, I, I read out of uh, Romans chapter 12, to as many as received him gave you the power to become the sons of God. <laughs> and we talked about salvation. I gave him, you know, this, how to be born again. We walked through the process. He received him. Christ, but every time I went into the room, his girlfriend, his mom and dad might be there, might be no one there. Every time I went back to visit, please read that passage of scripture to me again. To as many as received him, 
gave you the power to become the sons of God. It's not something we do. It's something we open up to. He's already done it. He's already accomplished it. We uh, have our church family, and I want you to know, like Michelle and I stand with you. We pray for your kids. We pray for your family. We reach out to them. We, we love them, and we want to see them uh, live for God their whole life. When our kids grow up and they go on to college campuses, they're challenged. Their faith is challenged in some incredible ways. As a church family, we need to continue to reach out to them. Get their phone numbers before they get off, the, uh, off of this campus and get onto the you know, Texas campus or you know, somewhere else in the world to start going to, to uh, college. You know, get their number so that you can text them and encourage them and love them. Let's build a legacy of evangelism right here on our campus. All right, we're closing. I want to invite our worship team to come. I want to say this to our online campus uh, and also to uh, those who are here or that are present today. To parents, you may have parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles that you're deeply concerned about that are uh, lost. They don't know Jesus Christ and they're hanging in the balance. And we're not promised, you know, like uh, tomorrow. You know, it doesn't matter what age we are. You know, we've seen people slip into eternity at 16, 17, 18, early 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. We know, you know, children, babies, we know that we're not promised, uh, you know, that we will have the next breath or the next moment, that this is a time to, to reach out to God. And so there's a sense of urgency, I think, in all of us who, who know God, and we have family and, and friends and loved ones who don't know God, and we, we have a sense of urgency. The time is short for them to make a decision. There's no one who can save the lost but Jesus. And if you have someone in your life, you're online, you're here on, on uh, campus, you have someone in your life that, that today God's really burdened your heart for. As we've been talking about this, you, you, know, you just really feel... A sense of like you know burden for them that this is the time that God they need to be reached by God right now I want to ask you to stand right where you are if that's if that's you this morning is someone you love someone you care about and you want to see them reached for Christ amen amen Wow for those of you online most of the campus is standing if you're uh, online and uh, right where you are stand up we're going to reach out and pray for you today. I want to ask those of you who uh, are still maybe seated around the area, to, or, or even if you're standing, maybe there's someone close to you, just reach out and touch them on the shoulder. Uh, we're going to agree together and believe uh, for a miracle for God to do in hearts and lives. Father, we are so grateful for everything that you have done. And we know, Lord, that only you can save us from being lost. Lord, we bring these, these brothers, these sisters, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, children, grandchildren, we bring them to your throne, Lord. We lift them up to you, and we recognize that only you can do what needs to be done. And so we pray, God, even that you would send ministering angels to them where they're, wherever they are. Lord, that, that they would see uh, that, that they, their need for you, and they would turn to you. Lord, we overestimate at times what we can say, our, our P 
pithy arguments and words and and uh, we we think we might be able to make a difference but god over the years we've recognized that that only you only you can do the work that there's a hardness of heart that only you can break up the fallow ground only you can save only you can transform and so we place them in your hands believing for salvation and now that we've stood with our brothers and sisters and we recognize they have people that love them uh, that that they love that are not that don't love you yet we we are going to stand with them ongoing as a church we're going to pray for them on a daily basis believing god that you're going to bring them home you're going to bring home children sons and daughters lord you're going to bring home lord those that that are sisters and brothers and Lord, you're going to bring home those that are children, grandchildren. Lord, you're going to bring home moms and dads. Lord, you're going to bring home co-workers and people that, that Lord, uh, we love and deeply care about and have formed relationships over the years, and yet they don't love you. And we want them to love you. We want them to know you. We want them to be forgiven of their sins. And, Lord, we want them to live in a new life with you that old things pass away and all things become new, we reach out to you for all of our brothers and sisters, Lord, in the Lord here who are standing, and those that are online just standing for someone they love. We pray that you would touch them, reach out and minister to those that they care about, that they would come to know you and love you and make you the Lord and the leader of their life. We give you the praise for that. Just just take a moment to thank him in advance for what he's gonna do. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord.